We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle, he dives, and he's in! Touchdown, 49ers! What is going on, folks? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by the Blue Wire Hustle. My name is Rob Louder. I cover the 49ers for the Blue Wire Network. And joining me tonight is my co-host, former NFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. What's up, dude? What's up, man? We got – we – we uh. We did it. We got we got some good topics to talk about. <laughs> we did, man. And this is just the uh, – obviously, we're always transparent around here. But, you know, coming up with, with something to talk about throughout an entire offseason leading up to free agency in the draft is going to be challenging, especially if you want to shoot for two times a week. But, hey, like you said the other pod, man, I know he tones it down too. But if if Peacock, if Brian Peacock over at Locked On 49ers can, can find stuff to talk about almost every day, then – yeah. So can we. So I think in the offseason, he goes like four days a week instead of five. <laughs> <laughs> which is still crazy. Yeah. Which is still crazy. But, hey, shout out to Brian, man. He's a good dude. I like that guy. Um, so, yeah, we do. I mean, what do you want to start with, man? Urban Meyer, I guess? No, no, no. Nick Bosa. Nick yeah. Bosa. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. It's, we should start with 49ers-related topics. But So set the scene. For our striking gold listeners, set the the scene for why right now during the middle of his rehab after a season of of suffering a torn ACL, why is Nick Bosa even being discussed? Well, so I mean, you know, obviously Deshaun Watson, he's a big time, uh, a polarizing name right now amongst 
uh, fans and obviously 49er fans as well. I think some people think it's just the 49er fans that are like salivating over him, but nah, man, it's like all fans. <laughs> like, uh, excuse me, we're just, we just see the 49ers fan base, you know, more often than we'll see anybody really talking about like the Bears or any of these other teams. But they want Deshaun Watson just as much as 49er fans. And the reason why uh, Nick Bosa has been brought up was because people, Ross Tucker. Okay, so Ross Tucker first kind of brought it up and whatnot. And um, he was on, uh, I think he was on 95.7 talking to them. Yeah, and basically what he said at the end of talking for a minute, I'm pretty sure he talked for a longer, but the clip that I, the audio that I listened to was at the end of it, he said, if you can get Deshaun Watson, I think even Nick Bosa is untouchable. I mean, is touchable, excuse me. If you can get the, if you can get Deshaun Watson, I think even Nick Bosa is touchable. And people were just like, no, there is no way you trade Nick Bosa and yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, like, first of all, did you guys actually listen to what he said? Because really, like, throughout the whole thing, he was basically saying, like, you try to figure it out. You try to figure out different ways that you can make the trade work and stuff like that. And at some point, the Texans may say, hey, you know, well, we want Nick Bosa involved. And he doesn't think that the 49ers just be like, no, right? There there might be some type, type of, you know, back and forth. And that's not to say that Nick Bosa would be traded, but – he thinks that there's a possibility. Now, my stance on that is obviously this is all – we don't even know what's going on with this whole thing. We we know he's a little disgruntled, but he hasn't really come out and said anything outside of the tweets. I think everything else is kind of speculation. Um, guys have reported on it, though, so it is like a real thing. I want to say like Ian Rappaport, um, you know, even uh, 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 Adam Schefter, like they have mentioned it. So this is like a real thing about him – like kind of wanting out, you know, and being disgruntled. And Adam Schefter ha- actually had like a whole like article on the whole thing. So it, it is a real thing. Now, how realistic is it that they just actually move off of it after just, I mean, move, move off of him after just signing a new general manager and not even having a head coach? We don't know. But what we do know is Ross Tucker threw out a hypothetical situation that maybe Nick Bosa would be involved. And my stance on it is, I, I get where the 49 fans are coming from saying there's no way that you move off of Nick Bosa. But, and I typically would say that too. No way you move off of Nick Bosa. But the 49ers just traded DeForest Buckner. And if you would have told me after this Super Bowl last year that the 49ers second team all pro defensive tackle, they drafted him, they developed him, they, you know, he was a team captain. Um, you know, a pro bowler, all that. If you would have told me, hey, they're going to trade him, I'm like, man, no way. Like, that's the one guy they're not trading. And then they traded his ass for, you know what I'm saying? And, and again, I get it from a sense of, like, why they did it, you know, roster moves and saving money and all that type of stuff. But at the end of the day, they did it, and I would have never thought that they would do it. So when you look at um, uh, Bosa and he's, you know, brought up, not by anybody credible, but, you know, they mentioned him, hey, you know, is, is he touchable? And I would say, yes. I, I think that, I don't think that you can say with 100% certainty that they would not trade him. Especially when you're well, talking about, like, uh, Watson's well, young. I think people like, he's been in the league and he's like, dude's like 23 years old, 24 years old. He's 24. He's young. 
<laughs> like, and he like he's an NFL leading passer. Like, we talk about how hard it is to get a, like a franchise quarterback or somebody that is as elite of a quarterback as as Watson. He's coming to the league like throwing the ball downfield, doing all these things, mobile, everything that 49 fans like. Man, I wish Garoppolo did this. I wish he did that. Like, this dude does it all. <laughs> like, at a top five level, he does it all at a top five level. Like, he is that good. If there were a draft today, and I think this is the way we should look at it too, and I think I saw somebody post this on Twitter. If if there were a draft today and every team would just say every team had this opportunity, would they draft Deshaun Watson? They have no quarterback on their roster. They, not, they have no defensive end. Would they draft Deshaun Watson or would they draft Nick Bosa? And I think everybody would take Deshaun Watson. So when you think about it, like, in a head-up sense, I get it. One, already he's on his second contract. It's a big contract. The other one, he's on a rookie deal, and he's a terrific defensive end. I just saw him trading all pro. So, yeah, I don't think that Bosa would be off the table. Now, the likelihood of it, I don't know. But I'm just saying, like, I I think it would be a try. What what do you think? Well, dude, it's like – the way I look at it, it's it's, it's kind of like some of those, and I know a lot of people out there can relate to this. It's kind of like some of those bullshit trades you get in fantasy football where players are trying to trade you for your best players by giving you two or three of their shitty players. Right. And you're like, man, how do I get better in this? <laughs> and it's and it's the same thing. Like, how do you expect? And yes, there is there isn't as there is a world where the 49ers could land Deshaun Watson without even giving up one player. But how do you expect to land one of the NFL's best players? Not at the most important position. At the most important position. How do you ever expect to be in the running for a player like that if you're not willing to give up one of your best players? Like, you don't just get players like that for nothing. Like the, the Texans have to feel like they get better. And sure, three first-round picks, they will feel like they're going to get better. And that could be something that comes up. But the original point was, would the 49ers stop talking to the Texans when they mentioned Nick Bosa in the trade? Absolutely not. The conversation would go on. Because like Croc said, like you, you have a chance to get – one of the absolute best players in the NFL at the absolute best position, most important position the 49ers happen to need. Or, you know, like Kyle Shanahan said, I wouldn't say need because he, he ha- you could tell he has a high opinion of Jimmy Garoppolo, but he said the only way he would enter- entertain any other move is that if he felt like they were upgrading. And Deshaun Watson would be a significant upgrade. Now, again, and this and this kind of boils down to a little bit of social media things and people not really hearing any context. The original the original point was not that the 49ers are going to trade Nick Bosa for Deshaun Watson. It's just that if they were having that conversation, and I apologize for my voice, by the way. I've been coaching again. I'm losing it. If they were having that conversation, they're not just going to hang up the phone if Nick Bosa's name gets mentioned. Right. He's had one season. At one very, very good season as a rookie, and then he tore his ACL. So I understand that Deshaun Watson's ceiling and what they people project him to be is going to be through the roof. But you don't hang up the phone if he's mentioned in a trade for Deshaun freaking Watson. Like, there, there isn't a player on the 49ers roster 
that is untouchable when it comes to getting a guy like that. Now, would the 49ers prefer to keep a Nick Bosa, prefer to keep a George Kittle? Yes. But when it comes to getting an elite quarterback, there is not a single player on this roster that is off the table. It's open, baby. Every door is open. Let's talk. And and if you're not willing to do that, then shit. You know, maybe then don't bitch about the quarterback situation. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) And my thing is just when you're looking at impact as well, 49ers, yeah, not as dominant. And there were times where they kind of hit low moments this year uh, defensively, you know, with the pass rush and everything. But overall, the defense was a top 10 defense. They were really good this year, right? They were good. Like, more times than not, the reason why the 49ers lost games was because their lack of incompetent play at the quarterback position. So one thing was very clear. You can still have a top 5 to 10 defense without having Nick Bosa on the field, which he only played one game, and in that game he, we lost. So, you know, but it's really hard to get over having shitty quarterback play. And so, yeah, people ask me, what would you do? And I kind of danced around it. But if you told me right now, they would say, hey, we'll trade you to Sean Watson for Nick Bosa pick or uh, a second round this year and a first round next year, I I would do it. And I think a lot of people around the league would do it. You know, like – Good, good pass rushers are hard to find, but good. And I, I say good. That's not a good word. Great pass rushers are hard to find. Great quarterbacks are way harder to find. Way harder to find. And we're talking about you know the quarterback of quarterbacks. So and and obviously Deshaun Watson, you can make a case that he's a top five in the NFL, and and that's with working with what he's had to work with. Now he's had DeAndre Hopkins. Um, but then he lost him and still showed out. You know, he had a great season. So, and again, well, this is just a scenario that we're talking about. You don't, you know, don't get worked up about it. Don't get too invested in hypothetical situations that we're just talking about. It's just, you see people overreacting to, that's the problem with a lot of Twitter is, is, is it context gets thrown out the window incredibly fast. Any sorts of any sort of like minutia, the gray area, it goes out the window so fast, and it's like it's just the 49ers are not planning on trading Nick Bosa. <laughs> right. it, it was it was framed in a question that if Nick Bosa were in, you know, would be would the 49ers be willing to include Nick Bosa in a possible trade, and if it meant like, hey, if you include this player and and you get then it's done, he's yours. Then, <laughs> like, I don't know what I want. What you want me to tell you? The 49ers are going to find a way to make it work. Yeah, and also, I think people look at like Nick Bosa and his contract, and it's like, oh, he's on rookie contract and stuff. He's going into year three, so <laughs> once he, once year three is over, he has a four year contract. Obviously, he has a fifth year option. They're not going to want to use that. Once year three, like the contracts, like talks start right then. So, yeah, he's on rookie contract right now, but, like, this is not something that's going to be rookie contract forever. I, I say that because that's what, you know, I heard a lot of, like, some people's pushback. And when I say forever, I mean, literally, he's going into year three, year four. He's probably going to want to get locked up before year four. 
So, uh, yeah, but yeah, ultimately, if it, if it were me, you know, and, and I think, I think, uh, Nick Bosa is a fantastic defensive end. I saw somebody say generational. He's not that. He's not generational. He's, re- he is really good. He's a damn good defensive end. I think he was the highest, uh, uh, ranked one in the, in the NFL's top 100, uh, you know, list by the players. So that's like a big, like, yeah, I think people are expecting a lot of upside from him. But I think a lot of that was also based off of what they feel like he will be. And at the end of the year, in, end of the day, he went into this season with that type of, you know, love and he missed the entire year. So, and, and the defense, you know, still played well. Obviously they need him. He's a difference maker and he's, and he's going to win 49ers games, but I, I've seen this. Look at, look at, look at, um, the, the bears. They traded for Khalil Mack. They had a top defense in the league. And even then, because of Mr. Trubisky, like they just didn't win anything. You know what I'm saying? Because of who was that quarterback. So it's like, you can have a good defensive end all you want. Same thing with the Raiders. And not to say that Carr isn't any good, but the Raiders weren't making the playoffs with Khalil Mack, like on his rookie contract. <laughs> right. And he was like the best player, one of the best players in the league between him and, and Aaron Donald. And they still didn't do it didn't amount to any wins. But if you if you put a quarterback there, like it just increases your chances. That's not even saying that because I mean you another Argument could be, hey, Texas won four games <laughs> this year with Deshaun Watson that quarterback, having as great of a year as he did. So there are, you know, different reasons why certain things work out, certain things don't. I think one stat that I heard thrown out there was that the Texans lost seven games by um, one score or less. So you know they're they're right there in the swing of things. They just probably needed that one player or two to kind of put them over the edge, but. I think when you, you know, the 49ers, they're kind of set up offensively to be, a, you know, do well with a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, throw him in there with George Kittle and Debo and Ayuk and Mostert and, you know, whoever else they decide to bring in, I'm pretty sure they'll, they'll kind of attack um, either free agency or the draft with, a you know, a speedy receiver. So that's just my opinion. Like, I, I would do it, and I love Bosa, but you can't get emotionally tied to the players, and I think that's what fans do a lot. Like, I don't even – I don't buy – 49ers jerseys for that reason. I have one jersey that I continuously wear, and he's not even on the team anymore, and that's Colin Kaepernick. Outside of that, I'm not buying jerseys because I don't get emotionally attached to these guys. Like, it's a business. Like, and you, I mean, you know, this is like how much love you have for DeForest Buckner, and it's like he's gone. Right. <laughs> you know right. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's, how, and that's how it works. That's That's really what it is, plain and simple. It's just like – uh, and another way I'd like to think of it is like, okay, look, let's look at it this way. Let's think that we are in the Seahawks front office. We're in the Rams front office. You know, somebody walks in and says, man, Nick Bosa is 100% healthy. You know, Pete Carroll, you know, Sean McVay, they're like, oh, shit, all right, we got to deal with this guy again. You know, somebody walks into that office and says, 49ers just traded for Deshaun Watson. They're gonna fucking flip the desk over. Yeah, like it. Cha- that changes everything, <laughs> and and that's just not in the NFC West. That's all around the NFL. 49ers get somebody like Deshaun Watson and Kyle Shanahan's offense with Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel and George Kittle, and you know, let's say that Nick Bosa was was the sacrificial lamb in that deal. No one is feeling good about it. No one's like, oh yeah, the 49ers got rid of Nick Bosa. Glad we don't have to deal with him. If it was included as part of a deal for Deshaun Watson, 
people are going to freak out <laughs> because the 49ers defense was good without Nick Bosa. And all of a sudden, then this, this elite quarterback walks in the building. Like, can you imagine? Yeah, and when this, we say good without Bosa, like, we, we don't want to, like, diminish what he means to the defense. We're not saying that at all. We're just saying no. the defense was serviceable without Bosa, and the offense was not without a quarterback. And, yeah, you can have Garoppolo there, and it can be serviceable, but then you need everything around him to be perfect um, for him to be effective. So, I mean, week one, everything was perfect, and the 49ers, like, when I say perfect, I mean, well, no, not perfect. They didn't have Debo and Ayuk playing. But aside from that, <laughs> that's a big aside because those two dudes are a big part of the thing. But you had, you know, Kittle, but obviously – Garoppolo got him injured. <laughs> <laughs> it, the, the team was fairly healthy in their loss, but, yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> You're just, like, spiraling into a uh, yeah. a trail of, of de- depressingly thinking about how last season went down. <laughs> yeah. You'll be all right. You'll be all right. It is what it is, man. It'll all work out. It'll all work out. I have a – you know, you know, one thing I want to talk about real quick while we're on the topic of just the 49ers and it all working out. Um, it looks like – I know, I mean, it's already kind of confirmed. It, um, the, the Panthers did end up passing on Adam Peters for their GM role, um, which is good news for the 49ers. Adam Peters is very, very highly regarded. That's why he was considered for the interview. He was interviewed twice. Um, and he is John Lynch's right hand man, and he was the the experienced. Yeah, that um, Adam Schefter literally tweeted about it right now that the Panthers have officially reached an agreement tonight on a five year deal with former Seahawks VP Scott Fitterer as their GM. So, and he was one of the guys in, that was up against against up against Adam Peters for that job. Adam Peters was brought in from Denver. John Lynch had experience with him when he was kind of like interning for the Broncos, uh, just learning the ins and outs of how the front office works. Adam Peters was brought in to be Lynch's right-hand man to kind of guide Lynch through the process. And, again, I apologize for my voice. I'm just barely hanging on. Um, So Adam Peters was brought in. And as far as qualifications go, Adam Peters is more qualified to be a GM than John Lynch is. But – uh, Jed York recognized a really, really strong shared vision between John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, and that's why they were given a chance to pair together. And so far, I haven't had a problem with what John Lynch has done. Uh, he's given me no reason to kind of like doubt what he's doing. Uh, I, I mean, I don't have a solid grasp on who plays more of a role in the picks, whether it's John Lynch, Adam Peters, Kyle Shanahan, whatever. My point was that I was going to make is I see a lot of uh, the – the scenario flying around Twitter of promoting John Lynch to the VP of like football operations who would be working underneath Jed York and then promoting Adam Peters to GM, which I think is my, my short thoughts on that is I think it's a quaint idea. Like fans like to talk about it because, and even I've mentioned it before a long time ago. Um, I think fans like to talk about it because it's kind of like the 49ers don't lose anything. John Lynch is still in the building and gets to be the VP and get promoted. And then Adam Peters becomes the GM and everything's great in 49ers land. I just don't really, I don't know. I just don't really see that playing out and I could totally be wrong. Um, It's not like I'm like passionate about my opinion. 
it's just, I, I mean, why, why would John Lynch want to leave that, that role right now? Like, yeah. you know, why would he just want to, I understand it would involve a promotion. I'm assuming that Jed York would pay him more to be the VP than he would have been the GM maybe. But then you're talking about the 49ers adding a brand new position that would basically take responsibilities off Jed York's desk, which he may or may not want. Um, cause Jed York is the CEO. He's, he's the guy that runs the 49ers and then John Lynch would work right under him. And then Adam Peters would become the GM. But I just, I mean, what if, what if John Lynch likes being the GM and there's, there's Jed York's had no reason to, to doubt what he's accomplished so far as far as, you know, how, what they built the team into. It just seems weird. Like I, I get it. Like I get that it's a cool idea because everybody would get, be happy. Everybody gets promoted, Woo! you know, but it's like, I just like, I, I, I feel like that meeting would not go well. John Wynch should be like, why am I, why am I not going to be the GM anymore? <laughs> yeah. Know, I, I, what are your thoughts, man? I mean, it's not a, it's not a crazy topic, but. Well, I, I want you to like answer this question, at least for me. Why do people think that John Lynch is an incompetent general manager? Do people like, even, do people think that? Yeah. I, I think people are like, oh no, you can't lose Adam Peters because like John Lynch is terrible. And he's like, I, I, like you said, I, I don't know who does what. <laughs> like, like well, yeah, and, and how would you know that? Like, I, I think people think that because you could pull up a list of ten players, maybe maybe more, or the ten, you know, sign, uh, draft picks that didn't work out, or free agent signings that didn't work out. I think people think that because you can create a list like that pretty quickly, that John Lynch is not good at his job. Folks, you could create a list like that for every team. It's it's not an exact science. Being a GM and signing players and and drafting players is not an exact science, and it doesn't work out. Think about it this way. For one year, everybody thought John Lynch was a genius for drafting Reuben Foster. They're like, holy shit, that's like the best pick of the whole draft. Reuben Foster looks like he's going to change the world at linebacker. One year later, everybody was like, that is the worst pick of that entire draft. Like, it's just sometimes shit happens, and it's it's – I, I read somewhere at one point that GMs who get like 30-something percent of their picks right or they hit, they stick around, they're considered really, really good at their job. So I don't know whether you would get the – like what's the standard? What's the goalpost for John Lynch being good? Yeah, I I think uh, people are a little like harsh on – I think they focus so much on the 49ers, like, you know, and I'm talking to the fans right now. They focus so much on the 49ers that they don't see, like, other teams have misses as well, you know. So you can look at, oh, the 49ers, like, at nine they took McGlinchey. Like, they could have had, you know, Derwin James or they could have had this guy and that guy. But at the time, and even after his rookie year, it was like, hey, McGlinchey is pretty damn good. (laughs) Nobody, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was like, yeah, we got a starting left tackle. He'd be the starting, I mean, right tackle. He'd be the starting right tackle for – Ten years. That's what it looks like, right? Um, Reuben Foster, like you said, like it looked like the right moves at the time. A lot of times, um, a lot of the trades that they did. I mean, they've done a lot of finessing. They traded back one pick and picked up some draft picks, like um, you know, from you know the whole Solomon Thomas thing. They traded back one pick in this past draft, like you know, to grab you know uh, Kinlaw, like. I think he's done a lot of really good things. My thing is, I don't know 
who's 100% responsible for what. So it's almost like people want to put all the bad on John Lynch, but then want to put all the good on Adams. Uh, 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 yeah, that's his name, right? Who? The Peters, Adam, Adam Peters. Peters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I don't know Adam. And it kind of threw me off. But Adam Peters. Um, people, you know, it's like, what is he getting so much credit for? We don't even know what he did unless we were actually in the building. Same thing with the, the the guy from the Patriots, right? It's like how, like these Patriots guys, they get these GM jobs and all that. But it's like, we don't even know what they do. It sounds like everything goes through Belichick. So how much responsibility? No, that's, a good, that's a good point, dude, because it's like, if you think John Lynch is bad at his job, why do you still think Adam Peters is good at his? Right. Because Adam Peters was hired to be John Lynch's right-hand man. John Lynch probably doesn't make a decision without Adam Peters kind of not agreeing to it, but without conferring with him, you know, and Kyle Shanahan. I guarantee you the three of them, along with Martin Mayhew, kind of like just all get together and talk shop, and they probably all agree on shit all the time about, you know, just being a shared vision and targeting players. So, like, who's the one that sucks? <laughs> Who are you going to blame it on? I get right. the GM, the, you know. I get that the buck falls with John Lynch, but you can't run around saying John Lynch sucks and then be like, but but I want Adam Peters. Or you, is it, I think the thing that's tough to me is that in two years they built a Super Bowl roster. And it's like, but it's almost like John Lynch is viewed as the incompetent one when he's the face of all of that. And, and again, we don't know exactly what he does or what he doesn't. Like, maybe – Kyle Shanahan has the final say in everything. Maybe I mean I don't I don't know, but for Adam Peters to get propped up as much as he has, especially today on Twitter, I saw a lot of tweets like, "Oh man, this is a huge win for the Niners. They got Adam Peters back." And it's like we don't even know what the fuck he does. <laughs> I mean, like we know he's a scout. Like we know he's like the head of that. We know he was in. He was at uh, well, he was in Provo watching. Uh, um, Zach Wilson, like we we know he's on the road, we know he's doing those things, but like what do you like you said? How do you pick and choose what you want to give him credit for, and and what he's not responsible for? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, and I I just don't like that's and that's kind of just all stems back to my initial thing is like, you know, like that's cool that you want everybody to get promoted and everybody stays in the building, but like. You don't have – nobody has any idea who's doing what and who's responsible for what, and it's just it's just weird. Like, people were freaking out today or, like, since, like, yesterday. Like, oh, no, we're going to lose Alan Peters, and, and I'm just chilling because I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck he does. <laughs> I, I, know that I'm, uh, I know that he's highly regarded in the building. I know that he's highly regarded around the league. You can just know it by the way people talk about him. You know it by, you know, his role in San Francisco and kind of how he's talked about – but it's like, well, you can't, can't, like, you can't, no one out there knows, like, you can't just say Adam Peters is great, but John Lynch sucks. Right, that's, like, my, that's my thing. Be, I mean, how, you know, I how, how are you determining this? So, somebody said, well, who's going to stop John Lynch from doing stupid shit then? Like, that was, like, actually a tweet. Like, How do you know that John Lynch didn't stop Adam Peters from doing stupid shit? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> like, we don't. We don't. Like, you know, what if what if what if John Lynch is the smartest person in that building? You wouldn't know. 
Right. You, you just you wouldn't we wouldn't know. But if you know that's just like kind of the face of the thing, like I think that's what that's how that's the that's what I'm getting. Like he's just he's just the face of it and you know, he knows how to talk to the media, but stay away from, you know, scouting, stay away from evaluating talent. Like that's what it seems like. But like we've said a billion times already, we don't know who's responsible for what. So I you know what? I think it is you know what I think it, it stems from and what started this whole thing? That John Lynch had a class with Solomon Thomas and they took Solomon Thomas and I think people just look at that. I don't even know if it's just that, but I think people kind of look at that situation like, oh, you botched that. Like that was your guy. You botched it and you're not good at evaluating talent. That That's just a guess of mine, but I, I don't know exactly what it is, but that's the only thing I can kind of think of off the top of my head. Well, and it's, and, and which is funny about that is there were so many personnel guys that don't work in the NFL that, you know, do the mock drafts and, and stuff like that, that they had the 49ers taking Solomon Thomas, and it wasn't just because he had a class with him. And so if you're willing to say that Solomon Thomas is John Lynch's fault, are you saying that John Lynch picked Solomon Thomas with Adam Peters just, like, jumping on the table saying, no, 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 don't do it. You know, like, they all got – they all discussed these picks. And it's like, I, I don't know, man. It's just – you just got to – some of the the opinions that just get thrown around. I get there's no consequences. It's just your personal account on Twitter. But sometimes it's just funny to read. Like, you're just like, man, where do you even get this shit? I can't tell you how many tweets I've read where I'm just, I look at it, I'm like, how the fuck do you think of that shit? (laughs) Like, how is that the first thing that comes to your mind? But, I mean, hey, that's what the mute button's for. Shout out to all y'all who's out there yelling at a brick wall because you've been muted. But <laughs> anyways, so Urban Meyer, dude, head coach, Jacksonville Jaguars. I know you had some thoughts of that on Twitter. Why don't you hit me with those thoughts in, in verbal form? All right. So, yeah, I, I was just thinking out loud, and my tweet basically said, thinking out loud, I get that Meyer wins, but coach dipped on Florida, dipped on Ohio State, has these health issues, that's part of the reason why he steps away, right? Um, has he never or has never coached in the NFL at all, yet he's highly sought after, after you know, over all these young, hungry candidates. Like, how? And the responses I got a lot of was, well, he wins. And it's like, okay. I mean, like, yeah, okay. So that that's good. Now, when I ask these questions, anybody that knows me, I'm not really like, you know, I am a tourist. A tourist. I, I can be stubborn at times, but – when I ask questions, I genuinely like genuinely want an answer, like from someone. Like help this help this make sense to me, because as far as I'm thinking right now, it just doesn't make sense. And one thing I compared it to, I said, uh, I said it's like a fine ass female who cheated on her last two boyfriends, but it's still like, well, she's still fine, so I'm gonna make her wifey, right? Like <laughs> you know, you typically wouldn't do that, <laughs> you know. Um, but a lot, I got some good responses, and a lot of it was. Ultimately, kind of just sum it all up. Obviously, we know he wins, but it sounded like it was more of the culture in Jacksonville needed to be changed, and he's somebody that can lead that change. Ultimately, like like when I just kind of look at all the responses I got and different things people said, that's what it's for. So, um, Urban Meyer has was hired. I mean, not, I don't want to say it was hired, but people think he was hired to fix a crappy situation there in Jacksonville, and change the culture of it and what it looks like and show them how to be winners, teach them how to be winners. So 
I got my answer. I got, I got, there were a bunch of answers and I was like, okay, that makes sense. Okay. That makes sense. Like I wasn't saying this to like give like a, a hot take or anything like that. I just didn't understand it. Like he quits everywhere he goes and he's never coaching in the field. Coaching in the NFL is different. Like you're coaching millionaires now. This isn't, I'm at Florida and I get the best recruits. I'm at Ohio State. I get the best recruits. So I'm going to kick everybody's ass. Like at Florida, he had Aaron Hernandez and Tebow and, uh, Nelson and Percy Harvin and I mean like the list goes on and on and on and on where I mean they were just like they were the best and he got the most out of them terrific coach um he won at the NFL level can his motivational tactics work when now the playing field is a lot more even and he gets a head start on that being able to get a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence um they do have some talented weapons at receiver uh they have some pieces on defense like I like a lot of what they have they have a good uh they have um, a lot of cap space, but at the end of the day, Jacksonville—they—they've been crappy <laughs> for the majority of my adulthood. They were—they were good. I want to say like way back with Mark Brunel and uh, Jimmy Smith, Keenan McCardell. Like they—they had—they had some good years, but um, yeah, I, I was just—I was just curious, and uh, I got a lot of responses. So that was good. There were a lot of people that agreed with me, like, yeah, I get it, but I, I don't ask these things like that for people to kiss my ass or agree with everything I say, like challenge me. And I like that, like make me think. And I will tell you like, mm, that makes sense. I like that. <laughs> well, and I don't really have an opinion on the matter, honestly. I mean, I saw that tweet that John Middlecoff just fired off. You know, he was, he's 187 and 32 as a head coach. He's 12 and three in bowl games. You know, it's, it's obviously he does a lot of winning. And a lot of the reason he does a lot of winning is because of the culture that he establishes and the way he coaches players. But like you said, like, oh, don't get me wrong. Players still get coached and developed in the NFL. Okay? It happens all the time, constantly. But you're doing a lot less of it in the NFL because there's a lot of players that they are what they are. And, and they have a lot of confidence in what they are because it's gotten them to that point. They might have gotten paid. They know what they're doing and they want to keep doing it. So it's just, it's a different atmosphere, and obviously not only does he have to establish a culture, but he's got to rebuild that roster into a, a perennial winner. And, and like you said also, starting with Trevor Lawrence, a ton of salary cap space, um, and some, some talent here and there is good, but it's still, uh, still the, a roster with the number one overall pick. And he's got to build that up into something that's going to compete in the NFL. And guess what? He's going to have to do it with who as his general manager? None other than Trent Baalke. <laughs> right, which is, I don't know, it's just probably I not ideal. I, I know how I feel about it. I'm, <laughs> well, how do you, how you feel about it? I'm, I'm curious to know how someone who literally butchered an entire organization and brought it down to, like, ashes – like it was in flames, and and he just like was like, yeah, just let the whole thing burn down. <laughs> and somehow, like he's the one who you're gonna like. It, dude, use like Forty Nineers had like a hundred million dollars in cap space, and the only person that he signed was Thad Lewis. Literally, like, <laughs> like Forty Nineers had good amount of cap space, and they literally signed one player, maybe two. I think a punter or a kicker. Like, so I think they signed two people, literally, throughout the entire offseason. 
And one of them was Thad Lewis, who was like a third string quarterback behind Kaepernick and Gabbard. And this is the guy that, like, he took over a Ferrari and, and, and turned it into, like, an Astro van. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, when he took over, it was it was uh, Scott McLuhan, right? I said his name right? Yep, yep. Um, he had really built that team. And, really, that first draft that Balky was, like, technically the GM, that was all off of Scott McLuhan's work and his advice on how to go about things. So that was the draft where they picked up um, Anthony Davis and uh, Mike Ipati in the first round. Uh, I was kind of pissed that they didn't draft Des Bryant, but that's a whole other story. But, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, so, like, even that draft, that kind of boom, like, jump-started the whole thing with, with Harbaugh and everybody and the 49ers went on for three years to have a ton of success. And it and it was with the core players and core group that Scott McLuhan had put together. Now, when it was time to start, like, re-signing guys or letting guys walk and drafting well, 49ers had a ton of draft picks. Nobody panned out except for, I think, his uh, he did well with Buckner and Armstead. But for the most part, for the, uh, and Ward. But for a majority of his picks, I mean, we're talking about three players over – Seven, six years, seven years. AJ Jenkins, baby. You know what I'm like, we're talking about three players over seven years. We're, we look at John Lynch and want to give him crap for having three good starters every year. <laughs> you know, where <laughs> Balky had like three good starters over like six years, <laughs> like seven years. <laughs> like, like he really brought the whole thing down, and then you know his whole thing with with uh, Jim Harbaugh. They clashed, so you know Jim Jim Harbaugh. They agreed to just part ways, the whole thing. And then he went and got, uh, you know, he was the man. He was the man that hired Tom Sula. He was the man that hired Jim uh, Chip Kelly. Like he did this, he did all that, and none of it worked. And and like just a few short years later, now he's in charge of like a, a rebuild. What? How? He, he he creates the rebuild. He doesn't fix them. He He's created the, uh, that, that, I mean, he literally, like, he, he took over a 49ers team. Again, a Ferrari. Everything Trent Baalke is the reason the 49ers have Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. Right. Because he torpedoed that entire building. And it and took, took Jed, Jed York a long time to know that. We don't know how much involvement, you know, is John Lynch making the pigs or is Adam Peters. Like, we don't know all that. But we know it was Trent Baalke that screwed up that entire situation. He was the general manager. He was the one that decided to draft uh, Garnett, the the right guard, Joshua, Joshua Garnett, you know, over guys that were sitting there like um, Michael Thomas. You know why they didn't draft Michael Thomas? Why? They didn't draft Michael Thomas because they told Eric Rogers, who is my buddy, they told Eric Rogers, hey, if you come, um, we'll sign you, and we won't take a, a receiver until the sixth round. And they waited, and I, or and then it was like, uh, who was it that they drafted that year? I think it was the dude from uh, Michigan State. The receiver from Eric Michigan Burbridge. State. Yeah, Burbridge. Eric Burbridge, yeah. Yeah, so, like, that was why, like, Eric Rogers. You're, you're shitting me. You're telling me that right now. 
that he told you that they told him, we will sign you. If we if you come to our team, we will not draft a receiver. Yes. And how long was Rodgers on the team? He was there. He tore his ACL that year. Right. Camp, which I think he was going to be the starting receiver, um, but he tore his ACL, so he was out that whole year. And then the next year, um, Shanahan and those guys showed up, and Rodgers still wasn't healthy, so they just let him go. <laughs> That's a good little bit of insight right there, and it's fucking insane, but it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, but just like that's that that like is is that guy like he he was that guy like he just he he just it, it was terrible everything that he did every single decision like how do you screw up every single decision from 2011 on like he screwed it all up and that's why the 49ers then they had the whole mass exodus like where they lost every player every guy that was going to be a free agent like they lost everybody they lost everyone. Heading into the 2015 season, they lost the coaches. They lost every, damn near every player. Crabtree, Ibali, like he didn't retain anybody. Like it, it was just, it was so bad. It was so bad. And, and uh, just to, uh, I don't, I don't want to interrupt you, but um, just, just saying that Josina Anderson just tweeted a source who was a candidate for the job told me the Jets informed them. They are hiring Robert Sala. Oh, so wow. somebody who was interviewing for that job was told by the Jets that, sorry, you're not going to get it. We're hiring Robert Sala. Yeah, so, you know, I, I, I had tweeted out, like, way back in December, you know, before the season ended, and I talked about how, like, not so much that, like, the uh, the Jets would be good for Robert Sala, but I felt like Robert Sala would be good for the Jets. Just kind of being a guy that can – help change the culture and all that he means and what he does to uplift his players. And, you know, I, I think he's a, a terrific coach. When you see what he did this year with the defense that was depleted with injuries week in and week out, and they showed up, you know, every game outside of probably outside of the uh, Buffalo Bills game. But <laughs> aside from that, Adam, uh-huh. he was really good this year and won some games or helped win some games or keep the 49ers in games that, they probably otherwise wouldn't have been involved in. And the one pushback I got from Jets fans that ended up being in my comments or retweets was I don't think that they thought that Sala was a bad coach, but more so that they just wanted an offensive-minded coach. And my thing is, like, dude, look, you you can bring an offensive-minded coach with you, right? That's what an offensive coordinator is for. Your head coach just needs to be the glue to hold everything together, to be able to get guys to rally and fight for them. I think that's a lot of what Jim Harbaugh did. Like, I don't know how much Jim Harbaugh was involved in, like, a lot of the game planning and stuff like that. Obviously, he was an offensive guy, but, I mean, the way he called plays and everything, it didn't seem like an offensive guy. It was just a run-run heavy power. I mean, and he let Greg Roman do his thing. And then you had the defensive coordinator that did their thing, and that worked. He was the face of it all. He was the CEO of it all. And that's what Robert Sullivan needs to be. And that's what Robert Sala is. But he's going to bring a guy with him like LaFleur. And that's a person who has been developing under Kyle Shanahan for eight years. You know what I'm saying? And when LaFleur goes to New York, I'm pretty sure he's going to have his apprentice. And, you know, if he has success over the next three years, there's probably going to be somebody under him that ends up coming up and he can be the offensive coordinator. I think that's the best way to do it. Develop those things within. 
So there's not a lot of changeover in the overall scheme of how you're doing things. Um, the Patriots have done that for years. And you've seen, like, a lot of times it's worked. There's been some times where it was a little, uh, a little, you know, tough and whatnot. But for the most part, they've had the same philosophies, for the, you know, throughout most of the time that they were there. Um, and, you know, even for the 49ers, you know, you develop guys. D'Amico Ryans, he's been with the 49ers since 2017. That's when Shanahan and Sal and those guys showed up. He's been there ever since then. And he's been promoted, you know, to a linebacker position and all that. Uh, I, I've talked about how these guys, you know, he's been in every single meeting with these guys, right? Every single de- defensive meeting, everything about game planning, um, you know, what they were going to do, personnel, all that. He's been involved in all that for the last four years, every single meeting. There's probably not one decision as far as the linebackers and kind of the game plan, the whole thing that he's not involved in. So you don't think somebody that's been doing that every day for the last four years has no idea how to call plays, especially after him playing nine or ten years or whatever in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> you know they saying? just like, never they've, – they've never been around football, man, and, and – they, they they ignored everything uh, other aspects of football defense is all they know that's all they can do that's it you can't you can't call shit yeah it's it's silly dude it's it's I think people just underestimate how much NFL coaches just know about the game of football you know like they have football is their whole life <laughs> like Robert Sala probably could have been a really good offensive coordinator if he wanted to be. It's just he's a defensive coordinator. And to add to this, obviously we we, we broke-ish the news of Robert Sala getting hired today. Um, Ian Rappaport has already tweeted that the 49ers are expected to promote D'Amico Ryans to defensive coordinator. Nice. So that's I – mean, if you don't know who D'Amico Ryans is, he started out as kind of like an assistant linebacker coach slash like defensive quality control type of coach. Um, quickly became the linebacker's coach. Um, because I believe he was getting interest from around the NFL to to take that position elsewhere. So they promoted him up. Um, he's seen as like a really, really like an ascending coach. Like he'll, it, it, you know, obviously if things go well with the 49ers, he'll be look, getting head coach looks um, probably sooner than a lot of people think. Uh, he's just he's just seen as a great coach and a uh, like just one of those guys that's ascending through the coaching ranks. So. Um, that looks like they've already, they were probably already, they already knew Robert Sala was going to get a head coaching job. So they've, they'd obviously already thought about this. I mean, it's pretty sweet. I know he's really well, well regarded both within the building and throughout the league. So that's kind of crazy. So in case you, uh, you are, you know, to kind of wrap it all up, Robert Sala is going to be the head coach of the Jets. D'Amico Ryans is going to take his place as defensive coordinator. And I believe maybe somewhere out there, there's already been mention of, Mike LaFleur, the 49ers passing game coordinator, maybe leaving with Robert Sala. I'd have to, uh, you know, I got to wait for all this to kind of unfold to see what's what. But, um, yeah, it's it's moving quickly over here in uh, over here in San Francisco. So change is coming, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Crocker's out here tweeting, 49ers get two third-round picks, right? We need that. Like, <laughs> we need that. You know, he didn't even bother saying goodbye. He's just like, give me my third-round picks and get out the yeah, door. And, you know, I, yeah. know people worry, I know we're kind of wrapping it up, but people worry too much about things that they can't control. Like, people are going to leave, people are going to go. Like, just hope that the right guys are getting developed, you know, being developed within the system. And, I mean, I 
not to say that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch do everything right, but they've done enough for me to kind of gain their trust and in, in the sense of their personnel decisions. So they've done a good job, you know, putting teams on the on, on the field that can be competitive, even, you know, with when you're – just got to get the quarterback position right, keep it right. But, uh, yeah, man, like, I don't care about none of that. Robert Sala, like, great dude. Yeah, run us those uh, two third-round picks. <laughs> hey, good luck. Good luck to you. I'll take my draft picks. Yeah, like yeah, give me those draft picks. and Domingo Ryan, hurry up so you can go be a head coach somewhere too, so we can get two more third round picks. Get the hell out of here! It's like <laughs> eighteen year olds getting kicked out of the house. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. So, all right. I mean, I think that does it. I think that does it. I think we're. I mean, that's a lot. A lot went down. I mean, I, I would. I'll, I'll probably put that we, you know, we talked about this during the beginning. Or I'll, I'll put in the title or in the description that we talked about the uh, Sala stuff. It's just we didn't end up talking, didn't end up going down until the very end of the episode. If it would have gone down beforehand, obviously that would have been the first thing we talked about. But hey, you guys got some uh, some live and breaking news right here on the pod that doesn't happen very often. So. Uh, as always, we appreciate you for listening. Thank you for supporting Striking Gold. Thank you for all the things you guys, the random comments and stuff you guys say on Twitter. Uh, it's awesome. It's hilarious to, to to read and all that good stuff. So keep that up. Um, but yeah, appreciate you guys. All right, for another for another evening, for another episode of Striking Gold, we are signing out. Peace. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.